people live close to empty. I had an uncle once who would always get in his car. It was always on, you know, he used to joke, E is for enough. You know, I said, hey, don't you, don't you need some gas? No, we got, it's on E for enough. And, and I hated driving with him because you were always like, like, like two miles away from, you know, you're like, can we just, just fill up, just a quarter tank, you know? And I've, I've been amazed at, at, at the propensity um, when, when life gets pressured and life gets tough that we, we get to just fill up enough for today. And, and then we get don't make waves by the end of the day. Like, I, I've, I've got enough for today. And I think what we need to learn to do is to, is to fill up our tanks, to spend some time with the Lord, to uh, gather together the oil of intimacy, the time to gather oil and the time to burn oil are not the same season. And the wise virgins had oil gathered when the king arrived. When the king arrived, those who were not wise went to go and gather. The, the time to burn the oil and turn the lamps up when the king is coming is not the time to be looking for oil. And so I felt for some time now that the Lord's whisper to us is gather oil. Go and get the oil of intimacy. Build up your personal walk with the Lord. Gather oil for you. Because the night may be longer than we were expecting it to be. So you need to pick up some oil. So that's what kind of the series has been about and has been provocative to me. I want to read to you from Psalm 23 in what I call the Western Civilization Translation. Psalm 23 in the Western Civilization Translation. The clock is my dictator. I shall not rest. It makes me lie down only when exhausted and leads me into stressful meetings. It leads me in deep depression. It hounds my soul. It guides me in circles of frenzy for activity's sake. And even though I run frantically from task to task, I will never get it done, for my ideal is with me. Deadlines and my need for approval, they drive me. They demand performance from me beyond the limits of my schedule. They anoint my head with migraines. My in-basket overflows. Surely fatigue and time pressure shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the bonds of frustration forever. Western Civilization Translation. I hope that while I was reading that, you were reading the real Psalm 23, and I hope that some of the dis disparity stuck with you. We are in this place uh, where we can draw ourselves to the Lord and say, Lord, I really need you to show up and help me. Now, I have this fascinating thing that's happened as all my notes have disappeared. So I'm just going to flow. Is that a good? Yeah. What comes next? Your guess is as good as mine. <laughs> So I'm going to put that down and keep going. Actually, I think I've got some scriptures. Scriptures will come up. All right. It's the thing I don't need to come up. Ah, that's great. So, so many times we come to this place in our life where we go, I really want to walk in the way Jesus walked. I want to experience all the power of God. I, I, want, to, I want to express myself like Jesus did. And I want the kingdom of God to flow through my spirit. And what typically happens is we get stuck in the busyness of life and, and the rat race kicks in and we, and we start to live like our unsaved neighbors. There's no difference between us and the people around us. We live just like them. And 
although we claim to be Christians and although we claim to have this walk with the Lord, in practical realities, we're not living the life that Jesus wanted us to live. And so we tend to, uh, just like other people, uh, start to respond to the world like they do. We have our own passions. I want to achieve. I want people to esteem me. I want to work harder. And the problem with this is that part of this hurry sickness is of our own making. It's because I have not taken myself in hand that I'm a willing participant in the hurry sickness that goes on in my life. Am I preaching to anyone or is this just me that I'm talking to? So the problem is me, I've discovered. The problem is not outside, it's not this big bad world only, it's that my heart wants some of the things that drive me into a place that God never called me to live in. So if, I'm gonna, if, I'm gonna, if, if we're going to be honest about this as a church, if we really want to get to the root of this, if we really want to change, because otherwise this is just a sweet message and we all go, oh, that is so, that is so deep, Greg, and nothing changes. But if we really want to get to change, if we really want to move things, we want to become more like Jesus, we want to become his disciples. Not believers in Jesus, but disciples of Jesus, then there's something that I have right at the bat need to say. You and I need to take ourselves in hand and say, I got to deal with the things that are going on inside of me that are driving me and driving me beyond what Jesus wants for me. So, love of money and selfish ambition and all those sorts of things. Look at that. You guys are in trouble now. Thank you. Yeah, I see. You just did it just quickly there. Thank you. I'm just flowing now. It's fun. I'm just going. Amen. There is a danger that I can drive myself to win success and fame and popularity, and the whole world will celebrate me. But I am in a personal place, secret place of torment of leanness of soul, of brokenness, of inner pain, and outer fame. Mark 8. Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up my cross and follow me. You have to follow me. Whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world and yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? This is a fascinating concept. I have this opportunity to gain the whole world. There is a way that I can gain the whole world and lose my own soul. And this is the thing that Jesus is calling for. He's saying, please, don't lose your own soul in the mix of what you're trying to accomplish. This is not the day for that. Sorry, I'm trying to work two things here. Let me move on. So we have this idea that Jesus actually came to give you a fatness of soul. He wants you to thrive. He wants you to be in vital relationship with him and with other people. And Jesus created you to be a, somebody who exhibits and, and demonstrates life with a capital L. Everything inside of you needs to overflow with the life that God intended. 
That's why Jesus said, John 10, 10, you know the scripture well. He said, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I came so that you can have life and life in abundance. That in the, in the Greek means that you constantly have a surplus of life, an abundance, an overflow of life. That's why I came, Jesus said. But you can't live in that place of a surplus or constant surplus of abundance a fatness of soul, a richness, a prosperity of who you are. That's what John said. I pray that you may prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. See, that's, that prosperity of soul, that abundance of life is what Jesus came for. He, he means for you to live in it. But so many of us don't live in that place. We live short of our inheritance because we are not walking the way that Jesus wants us to walk. So I can't blame anybody else, I have to take responsibility internally and say, all right, I'm going to reorient my life. And so just like Jesus said, and just like John the Baptist said, I want to shout it out to you, repent for the kingdom of God has come. You're going to have to change the way you think about things. You're going to have to revolutionize the way you do things because the kingdom of God has come and the kingdom of God wants to take full root in you, but it cannot take full root in you if you don't change the way you do and think about these things. John Mark Comer said, I love this quote, if you want to experience the life of Jesus, you have to adopt the lifestyle of Jesus. Love that quote. If you want to experience the life of Jesus, you have to adopt the lifestyle of Jesus. So let's look at the lifestyle of Jesus. Luke, 15, Luke 5, 15 says, News about him spread all the more so that crowds of people came to hear him and to be healed of their sicknesses. But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places where he prayed. If you could just capture that scripture and decide that you're gonna live like that, then we could be done with the rest of this. Jesus often withdrew to lonely places where he prayed. Today I want to talk about the practices of solitude and silence. I don't need to tell you the problem anymore. I'm pretty sure everybody in this room is pretty familiar with it. We all have lived in this. I, as I said, I was on vacation. I was listening to the message and I was, I'm, on vaca I'm in mellow mode and I'm still finding you know, some of the things Thomas suggested, like, like, wow, that's, I gotta, I gotta repent. I gotta change the way I'm thinking about things. The amount of times I'll sit down for a meal with my wife and pick up my phone for no reason. She asks me, what are you doing with your phone? Uh, I wanna take a photo. You can't, you can't, yeah, you can't win. <laughs> Henry Nowen said, solitude is the place of purification and of transformation, the place of great struggle and the place of great encounter. We need to learn how to find a place of solitude in our life and pray. 
Because this is what Jesus did. This is what the Bible says Jesus did this regularly. Jesus prayed uh, in, in all sorts of times. But the Bible says Jesus prayed, number one, when life was draining or crowded, Jesus withdrew. When it was pressing in on him, when there was need, he went to places to pray. Jesus prayed and he withdrew and he went to lonely places when he faced important choices. Jesus did this when he was sad, when there was an emotional assault on him. When, the, when he heard about the death of John the Baptist, it says that he, he went, he, he, when Jesus heard what happened, he withdrew privately with a boat to a solitary place, okay? When Jesus needed strength for his work, it says Jesus, uh, you know, he, he had healed many and he drove out many demons. And very early in the morning, while it was still dark, he left the house and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. When he was worried about the people he loved, Simon Satan has asked to sift you like wheat, but don't worry, I was out this morning and I prayed for you that you won't fail. When he faced his most holy work on the most solemn night, it says he called them to say, said, pray with me. He was overwhelmed with sorrow, couldn't bear it anymore, and he said, stay here and pray. And going a little further, he, he fell on his face and prayed again. The bottom line here, friends, is that Jesus wants to draw, Jesus drew himself aside and he wants us to draw aside. And I've found that if I can find myself a place where I can withdraw from the world, find a place of solitude, I've got to be honest with you, I have to, I have to be really, really disciplined about this. Because if when I, the, first, the first 20 minutes of solitude are frightening for me. Because my brain has crossed the world four or five times. And I'm thinking about stuff. And, I'm, and those first few prayers are just the stuff of... And, and so I have to learn to discipline myself. I have to slow down. I have to, I have to go because I've discovered when I find a place of solitude, what starts to happen is that, that not to fear, that, is, that first of fear that slowly begun to grab on the inside of me. And I, then I recognize it. And then I go, lying thief. And then the presence of God comes and that fear dissipates. And the, and, the, and the creeping weeds of hopelessness that you, if you untended, you watch out, they, suddenly those weeds are everywhere. And then I sit with the Lord and then I see him and then hope begins to flourish. And those little paper cuts, death by a thousand paper cuts of this little comment and that little comment, and then I slow down. I'm, I'm just with the Lord long enough and his healing balm fills me and everything gets whole and healed. I'm not talking about a quiet time. I'm talking about withdrawing, finding a place where I can be in solitude. Solitude is a deliberate place. Isolation tends to be about the pain of my soul. I want to isolate from everyone. I want to run away from the world. I'm not talking about isolation. I'm talking about solitude. Solitude is a choice. Solitude is because I'm hungry to meet with the king of glory. Solitude is about glory management. Isolation is about pain. When Cordero said, solitude is a chosen separation for refining your soul. Isolation is what you crave when you neglect the first. And if I can get, uh, if I can get away from everything that wants to claw at me, 
from every demanding pressure to get away to be with the Lord. I'm not saying get away from the Lord. Get away to be with the Lord. Jesus withdrew to pray, the Bible says. I'm not reading magazines. I'm not Netflix binging. That's isolation. I just need, I just need, I just need to get away. That's isolation. I'm talking about, I'm talking about solitude. Finding a solitary place where I can meet with the Lord. And as I said, for me, the first 20 minutes are horrible. Ugly, non-spiritual, even. Because it usually takes just that long for, for me to just slow down. Okay, Lord, where are you? Because I'm, I'm, I'm right here. I've been standing in front of you for 20 minutes. You, you've been swiveling. <laughs> Slows me down. Centers me. Opens my ears to hear his voice. Brings his peace back in. I start to live in the atmosphere of heaven. If you do this long enough, what starts to happen is you take the atmosphere with you when you step back in to your productive lifestyle. Solitude becomes a practice that lives with you. So that you can walk into a crowded place in the middle of busyness and everybody's demanding decisions from you and you can step into solitude and say, Lord, what do you want me to do? Becomes your own weather system. And this, my friends, is what you were called to do. You were not called to resonate with the world. You were called to bring heaven's weather system to this earth. <laughs> They think that it's strange you do not plunge with them into the same flood of dissipation. And they heap abuse on you, the Bible says. People who don't understand this go, why aren't you as scared as I am? Why aren't you as frazzled as I am? Why can't you be weird? You are too peaceful. You're too centered. You're too whole. You're not moved by any of this nonsense. So Greg, I'm, I'm, I'm in. Sign me up. How do I do this? I'm just going to tell you how I do it. Number one, withdraw yourself. This is not complicated. Withdraw yourself. W what do I withdraw from? Anything, anything that's going to take your attention off the Lord Jesus. I can be with my wife in solitude because she doesn't take my attention off Jesus. Wow. Dietrich Bonhoeffer said, let him who cannot be alone beware of community. And let him who is not in community beware of being alone. You have to withdraw yourself. There's a bunch of scriptures here. I just want to give you some. I, I bet you never heard the sermon on the Jesus who withdrew himself. Here's a, here's a dad, his kids are sick, he's waited all day, he's marched around, he's heard that Jesus is in the town, he comes and he goes, hey, can somebody pray for my, I go, I'm sorry, we, we, we have to leave. 
Jesus withdrew. Why? Because he needed to withdraw. Because nobody can stay on the entire time. There's a scripture in Psalms that talks about, about one of the tribes being like an, a faulty bow. And a faulty bow was they, they would take a, the, 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 the natural bend of the wood would be in a certain way, and they'd bend the wood against its natural bend, and then they'd string the bow, and that created a tremendous tension. But if you left that thing strung like that, if you didn't unstring the bow after the battle, the, the, eventually the bow line would become weak and wouldn't be able to shoot anything. So you would unstring the bow after every battle, and you'd have to restring the bow, because if you didn't restring the bow, if you kept it strung, it would go flat. And somehow we've got this idea that I can just keep going at maximum pace and keep producing, and my friends, I don't care how gifted you are, you will not be able to produce eventually. I'm not saying let's not be productive people. I'm telling you that the way to be your maximum productivity is for you to isolate, separate, not isolate, for you to find a place of solitude, spend time with the Lord, and do it often. People you love should know this about you. Where's he? He's just spending some time with the Lord. He took a morning. He did what? He took a morning. But this is an important time. Yep. Next week I'm going to take a day. <laughs> Matthew 4, Matthew 12, Matthew 14, Matthew 15, Mark 3, Luke 5, Luke 9, John 6, John 11. Everywhere. Jesus withdrew. Jesus withdrew. Jesus withdrew to a mountain. Jesus withdrew to a lonely place. Jesus withdrew to a boat. Jesus withdrew to a region. Jesus withdrew to a city. Some of you are going to do this differently. Some people go, I, I need to walk and talk to Jesus. Have at it. Some people go, I need to bow down. Some people go, I want to lie down. Well, I think mine's more spiritual than theirs. I don't care. There are different personality types. The issue is that you withdraw to pray often. Can I just lay a charge on the church? I just dare you. Just once, just once in this next week, put on your calendar and withdraw to be with the Lord. Just once. Where's Dad? He's just taking a time of solitude to be with Jesus. A couple of hours. And fill those hours with whatever works for you. Richard Foster said, we must seek out the recreating stillness of solitude if we want to be with others meaningfully. We must seek the fellowship and accountability of others if we want to be alone safely. We must cultivate both if we're to live in obedience. 
Find a, a thing that works for you. Maybe you go to the office and you sit in a comfortable chair and you drink coffee and you talk to the Lord. Maybe you go on walks in nature. Maybe whatever. It doesn't matter what it is to me. It doesn't matter where that is. It's, it's that you find a place that works for your life and you find yourself a rhythm and you find yourself a place. And I've seen businessmen and women who, who high-powered people Peter Rasmussen told him a story. That one of the most high-powered business people in his church said, Peter, Peter, I'm in a mess. He's going, coming up on his second divorce, and he's just, his hair's on fire, and he's, he's making money like crazy. And he says, Peter, I'm submitting myself to you. What do you want me to do? See, Peter said, I want you to come to the church on Monday morning. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then he said, then I want you to be quiet and just hang out with the Lord. He goes, ah, okay, okay. Eight o'clock, he's at the church. 9.15. All right, I'm done. What's next? He said, no, no, just hang out till lunchtime. The guy literally wants to beat his head against the wall. Doesn't know what to do till lunchtime. He calls Peter, okay, okay, it's lunchtime. Peter said, let's go for lunch. What did the Lord say to you? No, no, he hasn't heard much. The guy's like, he's like missing caffeine. He's, he, he needs the... Okay, okay, what am I doing after lunch? He goes, no, you go back to the office and just, just wait. Goes, Peter, I can't do that. I can't, I can't do that. He said, you, you, you told me that you would submit. You, 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 you want help. Because, yeah, he said, this is what you need to do. Tuesday morning, by Wednesday, I think it was Wednesday afternoon, the guy heard God speak to him, just broke down and wept. Changed his whole life, went back. Painted, fixed his wire, sorted out. Number two, how? Be yourself. So, so basically we're just saying, listen. Listen. Just like Jesus, you have to step back. Just like Jesus, you have to remove yourself. You have to withdraw yourself. And that means withdraw from Technology. Oh, but you don't understand, my Bible's on my phone. Yeah, and so is all your social media, and so is your email, and so is everything else. So if you can manage all of it, then that's fine. Withdraw yourself. And then be yourself. I just want to say, people, go, people say, Greg, what am I supposed to do? I don't know, just be yourself. Because the, script, the scripture says in Ephesians 6, 18, and, and pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. And there's different types of requests. Some are coy, some are demanding. So what kind of requests should I ask? The Bible says with different kinds. What kind of prayer should I pray? With all kinds. Well, I don't know what to pray. Well, then pray in tongues. Pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. Keep alert. Keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Okay, I don't know what to pray. Pray for me. <laughs> pray for somebody. Withdraw yourself. Be yourself. Keep a journal. 
Some of the things you may want to write down is what you feel like you, you heard the Lord say. Maybe you want to write down some of the things that, <laughs> that you're praying for. years back the Lord said I'll take your prayers as seriously as you do I said I'm serious about my prayer what are you asking me for um, I'll get back to you prayer journal sometimes helps that it certainly helps me to remember what the Lord said to me to write it down Solitude often goes together with silence. There's a time for prayer when you're in solitude, but there's also a time for silence. Proverbs 10, 19, when, when words are many, sin is not absent. It's a fascinating scripture. Ecclesiastes 5 says, God, your steps when you go near the house, Go to listen rather than to offer the sacrifice of fools. There's an interesting phrase there. The sacrifice of fools is people who speak when they don't know. They, they, they should have, they changed the channel, but they forgot to switch the volume down. You know, they, they, they're, they're talking and talking and talking because they think that by the abundance of their words, God's going to be impressed. So Ecclesiastes says, when you come into the presence of the Lord, just turn, turn down the volume. Just come to listen rather than to speak. Don't be quick with your mouth. Don't be hasty with your heart. Don't make commitments. God's in heaven. You're on earth. Let your words be few. There's a, there's a, there's a moment there. There's a, there's a space here, friends, for us to come to the presence of the Lord and go, Lord, here I am. I'm just going to sit and listen. You know what I found? Is I often offer the Lord. The, I say, Lord, here, here's my heart. Here's my mind. Here's my thoughts. And he takes control he takes the furnishings of my heart and he starts to guide me down a pathway of understanding. And, I, and that, that sometimes 10, 15 minutes of him whispering this and that and that idea and this idea and I come to a place of understanding that I would never have got to. You were designed to house life with a capital L. Jesus died to purchase it for you. But if you want to live the life Jesus has for you, you have to adopt the lifestyle that he had. Jesus often withdrew to lonely places where he prayed. Can I suggest that you and I are going to need to do the same thing? Let me close with this. Some years ago, um, someone famous had watched some of the videos we'd made on the attendance of the bride and called and said, wow, that was amazing. And uh, they were running a conference out in California and said, would you come? Be, be, be my, my guest. And Michelle and I went to this conference and it was lovely and some big names. And we're sitting at the, at the fat cat table some really big names around the table, and we're just excited to meet these people and connect with them, and this is wonderful. And uh, 
So we're sitting at this table and we, we're talking and having lunch. And the guest speaker for, for that lunch is James Gall. And I'd never met James. And, um, they, they, and they, there's a microphone that's behind me. And they, and they said, James is going to minister just to us and just share a couple of things on his heart. And he, he stepped up to the microphone behind me. And as he stepped up to the microphone behind me, the glory of God stepped up with him. And I'm in trouble because when the glory, when God steps into a room, I, I usually come and I start weeping. So I know this about me. Now, I'm wanting to engage with these people, but I know I'm, in about 30 seconds I'm going to be useless. So I, I'm calm. I take my glasses off and I put them down. And I push back from the table and I take my handkerchief out of my pocket because I know I'm going to need it. And I just sit down, and the presence, the glory of God just gets thicker in the room. And we start to weep. And the whole table is weeping. And the presence of God. I cannot remember a single blind word he said. Wouldn't tell you, can't tell you for the life of me what he spoke about. All I know is, when that man stepped up, the glory of God stepped up with him. There's a man who's been with God in lonely places. And when he stepped up into the public place, God stepped up with him. We're not quite finished our conversation. Let me carry on with you. I want to be that kind of person. I want to carry heaven's glory with me. But the secret is found in the secret place. And there's no shortcuts. Let's pray together. Your word says, Lord, that you oh, keep no favorites. You have no favorites, Lord, in, in, the, in the people around you. You're a God who honors people who seek you. That's what your word says. You honor those who diligently seek you. So I'm asking, Lord, that in this week, when those of us who decided, I'm going to do this, I pray, Father, that you would meet us that every heart that is hurting, Lord, would be healed. That every place that is hopeless would receive a deluge of hope. That every uh, pain would be dissipated. Every fear destroyed. Every lie broken. Every joy heightened. Every anxiety filled with peace. You said, Lord, I came to give you an ongoing overflow of life. So I bless our people with us. And I thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen.